Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are at. This is Plot Twist, Please. I'm Shamaya. It's like papaya, except it's not. And today we're going to talk about the show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. So you may or may not know this, but I identify as an autistic person. And in this episode, I'm going to chat with an old friend of mine um, who also identifies as an autistic person. And we are going to talk very candidly about the series and about our experiences as autistic people and it's an interesting experience it has been it's quite the ride y'all especially being a person of color especially being a woman and the complicated thing is as you may have seen in another or heard in another episode it's hard to diagnose autistic women specifically and many autistic women aren't diagnosed until they're in their 20s and above it the age of 14 is considered early to be diagnosed as a girl so and that's because the actual criteria that is in the dsm and that psychologists have gone by for the longest time is based on male traits and the way the male brain functions and so that makes it complicated and difficult to get diagnosed as a woman especially when you do what's called masking so i'm going over these terms now because we're going to talk about them later in the episode masking is one of those terms and masking is when you use observations of social interactions and how other people operate socially and mannerisms and inflections of the voice etc and you take those traits as your own in order to survive in social settings in order to blend in and so what often happens is a lot of people who might know you for a long time or you know close friends might not even know that you're autistic as a girl or as a woman because you've masked so well your entire life and So it's tricky. Um, A lot of things are trickier as an autistic person. Executive functioning is one of those things. Um, Normal, quote, quote, daily tasks like doing laundry or, you know, doing your taxes if you do your taxes or, you know, things that the average person might adapt to quicker. Um, It's a little more difficult for people who are on the spectrum. Um, Other things that are more difficult are interpersonal relationships, being able to read people um, and read those subtle signs that dictate so much of our social experiences. So there are a lot of things to chat about, and I hope that you find it interesting and informative, and I hope that you are inspired to do your own research and to go about your life with more empathy for people who don't operate the way you do. Um, before we go into that, I just want to like talk about some of my Friday faves, and the blog is going up today, the blog post. I do it every Friday, and so one of my faves has been making salmon. No, I did not fish it. No, I did not pluck it from the earth or from the, the, the waters, but I did make my first salmon because for my lifetime, I was not... For most of my life, I wasn't really a fish person until maybe about five years ago. So I made salmon, and girl, you need to season the heck out of that thing. The heck, the heck out of that thing. Um, But it was good, and I had it with some spicy broccoli. So yeah, it was chill, and you'll find that recipe and other of my favorite finds up on the blog. So mosey on over there, maybe after listening to this episode, 
And without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my friend Hagai. His name is Hagai Simon. He's an artist, a graphic designer, etc. And he's going to be joining us in this episode. So tune in and hope you learn something. Here's Hagai. Hi, Hagai. Hi, Shamaya. How are you today? I'm good. I'm doing real good. It isn't raining yet, but it looks like it might. So crossing our fingers, windows are closed. It'll be yeah. fine. It looks bright in, in the camera right now, but it's actually been overcast here for like a few days in Minnesota. It's been pretty cloudy. So. Yeah. What's Minnesota been like lately? Because I don't know anything about... I, mean, a- I, have a Minnesota, but I don't know anything about how it's been lately, you know? Yeah. Um, fine. Nothing explosive. Nothing, uh, I mean, so I live in Uptown, which, um, I guess, I, I don't know if I want to say the cultural center, but it's very much like Uptown is where a lot of young people are, and, um, it's a really nice area. It's very 50-50 as far as, like, old versus gentrified area mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um yeah it's pretty nice nothing uh nothing lately that's <laughs> been too controversial no no riots nothing like that no protests um well there's still protesting but it's not happening in in uptown mm, gotcha it's so funny because when i went to visit home like during early early covid um, there were BLM protests, but it was like, it was kind of funny because the protests in like middle of nowhere, Brown Lake, <laughs> is so funny in comparison to like the big Chicago protests, which is like news coverage everywhere. You always read about it. But like in the, the tiny, tiny town, like on two streets is like the protests up by my hometown. Right. So that's all. Things like that. And so like, what's been... What's been happening? What has been the exact kind of like, was it all in response to kind of Kenosha and? Oh, it was like super early on, like um, maybe like in June. Yeah, because I I went home for a little bit during like that COVID era. (laughs) It feels like eras and eras. it's, It's like we have the Triassic, Jurassic and What's the third one? I know there's a third one. Oh, God, I didn't even know that. You know what I mean? It's like the different eras of dinosaurs, but for COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was it's like March okay. through April, or March through like May, June through August, and now I think we're in like a third trimester? I don't know. A third era of COVID right now. It truly feels like we've lived 12 lives. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, you know, we're surviving and thriving, more surviving than thriving. Um, yeah, I have grandkids now. now. Yeah, like, I like, yeah, I think I, I did like two things today. I did a virtual church service and then I kind of started editing my video that I was supposed to have uploaded by yesterday. But you know, you know how the cookie crumbles, it just be crumbling. It's how it crumbles. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. Yeah, 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 that's how it is. Yeah, so, it is. yeah. So I'm so glad that we got to watch Love on the Spectrum because I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like just in terms of autistic folks, there's not a lot of representation out there and there's not a lot of, 
there's not a lot of stories out there. It's about hard to know what else, like what other odd, like I sometimes still forget and don't know what autism looks like unless it's me and my very, per like my experiences with it, whether it's myself or just from also like when I was in aid in high school um, or in different like classes or music things like just I always did like one-on-one um, -on -one help for kids with autism when I would go on retreats with my synagogue or things like that that's mm. so those very specific experiences with autism are what I think of but there is this gigantic spectrum and so unless you have personal experience with someone or with an, I guess, if you're part of an autism community, you don't see the other parts of the spectrum other than what you know. And mm. so watching this, I feel like, yes, there that's very recognizable to me or entirely foreign. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting because I, I never really did have an autism community or, you know, I just, it, because I am very, very recent in terms of like my discovery. So, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting because I think I almost was a little shameful at first of of seeing that, seeing those experiences and being like, oh, well, it could be worse. I could be like that. But then I was like, wait, that's literally ableism. Like, that's literally my ableism. At the very least, it's, it's projecting a, a, a certain fear or shame that... Mm -hmm you've decided or that you've decided like I mean I do that too um where I'm like I you know I think it's it's sharing both so you can share the fear or project the fear of if I were that person behaving that way or having the, those difficulties I would be ashamed of myself or I would be embarrassed um I'd be anxious or I if I were them I'd be very proud of myself Mm -hmm. I've also had those moments watching this show too. So I've had both. I've, you're, you know, you're not, I absolutely have had the same thing where I'm like, oh God, I know what that's like. Or I, yeah. I share that anxiety. Um, I would hate to be them right now. Or, you know, I've done that before, but I'm past that stage where I have, you know, just a little more self-awareness than that. So I'm looking at them doing that thing that maybe I made the same mistake a long time ago and I'm going, oh god if you could only not make that mistake if you could only know like have that experience because i feel for that yeah um, yeah it's just it's just sharing in the whether it's whether it's shame or little moments of pride where you're proud of them for getting over that hurdle or getting through something smoothly and it's also it's also feeling shame like as if we are back into those moments where we've done those same things or like we're like oh my god like i did that yikes like <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and it, it it's so easy to to look back at like certain things that at certain behaviors or just like the way that you exist in the world and to punish yourself for that when this is just the way we are this is the way we operate it's not like we need, it's not like we need to change something you know what i mean yeah yeah, absolutely. Did 100% echo that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really um, cool how in the show, since we're talking about, I just want to talk about the good things first, and then I'll go into like, <laughs> things that I wasn't too 
um, keen on. But um, something that I really appreciated was that they did represent a lot of different types of people, autistic people, and like just a lot of. Like I remember, I saw people of color in there. I saw, um, and you know, I will talk about representation later. They they did better in some ways than others in terms of representation. Um, but yeah, I did appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, so I didn't. Um, I got through almost. I think where am I right now? I think I'm just finishing the third episode. So mm -hmm. the last two episodes, I still have left to go. Um, and I'm very excited because I'm really enjoying the show. The first episode was just all tears for me. Mm. Like, just, right away, just, especially the parents, especially when I'm, like, looking at the parents and seeing my own parents, you know, like, mm -hmm. projecting kind of, or not projecting, but just um, knowing how hard the parents work and also what kind of struggles they come into on their own, just both with parenting, with dealing with autism, and altogether being a, a parent of someone with autism. Um, recognizing those challenges, also seeing like the pride and how far their kids have come into, you know, being adults now and how hard it was when they were kids. And I know my parents, I've had just a lot of those same conversations with like <laughs> my parents um, recently of just like the difference between where I am now versus where I was when I was, what, 12, mm. is is so nuts. So just, oh, I was just crying the whole first episode. Because mm. <laughs> recognizing oh. like a lot of that, the similarities. Yeah, yeah, and that's, there were so many beautiful moments like that where it was like, oh, yes, like you're you're being brave and you're, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. And, and yes, like, that's the thing too, is it's a, it's a, um, it's a give and take, right? Like it shouldn't always be autistic people stepping out of their, outside of their comfort zones. Like neurotypical people step outside their comfort zones as well. Um, so right. I do, you know, I acknowledge that. And at the same time, it was so nice to see those moments. I really appreciated that they started with that couple. Um, I'm just spacing out on their names, but um, the couple who are already a couple at the beginning of the show, and then they, yeah. and then he proposes uh, on the bus, and then they have their <laughs> little anniversary thing. Um, I was just in love with them immediately, and uh, I really, I really loved that right away. You don't feel. I think this was really good on the director. You don't feel like they're being put in this really uncomfortable foreign environment. Like they're just a species that doesn't belong there, which is that's how you feel so much of the time when you're on the spectrum is you're just in and you're like, I feel like I'm the invasive species in, a, in an environment where I wasn't supposed to be put in um, yeah. socially. But you go, you know, you, you see them you, in their home and on their dates and stuff and you feel like you're, you're in their environment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Change to be like, you know, with their pets and their, their nerd stuff and the trains and they're in the garden and they're in their happy place where they're just comfortable and it's an environment that they've grown together. And so you see what that looks like. What does it look like when um, autistic people who have a, a loving environment that they're growing themselves, what does that look like versus an environment that is 
grown by neurotypical people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Like, we're always, like, we feel like aliens. I mean, my experience is I've just always felt like an alien. Like, <laughs> and there were just very few people who I could connect to. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, it really was like, just for a long time before I, you know, g gave it a name, it was really just like, wow, I don't understand. Like, there are little idiosyncrasies that I just don't understand. And it's really, it's so wild because people don't realize how much of communication is nonverbal and how much of it is just like, well, I feel the vibe, so I'm going to go for it. Or like, it feels like we're in sync, so I'm just going to do this. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you don't have it, you're kind of just like, well, I guess, you know? I think it's also really hard, like, when you've grown up. So I also didn't know that I was autistic until way later, mm -hmm. uh, way later in life. And, yeah, so, like, I didn't find out or didn't really, like, God, I don't remember the first time that I had, like, any confirmation from either of my parents. But I think the first time was I was just going for a walk with my mom after I'd kind of had a bit of, like, an episode. And mm -hmm. like, I think I'm, I, I think I'm autistic because I've, mm -hmm. I've talked to so many people or I, I've seen like so many things about autism or heard things about autism that like resonate with me. And my mom was like, oh yeah. And oh. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. she's like, yeah. Like, I mean, we kind of figured that out when you were a kid. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> Why did wow. you say something? But so that's how I found out. And I was already like 20. Wow. I was like 20 years old. So um, I didn't know for the majority of my adolescence or almost, so all of my adolescence, I don't know when that technically stops. But, um, and so there's, there's this piece that you don't know whether or not it's something that you already know or is it, is it something that's innate or is it something I had to train myself to do? Mm. Like, am I, am I good at picking up on nonverbal communication? Am I naturally um expressive of empathy and things like that in the way that neurotypical people are or am did i just have to like forcibly train myself to pick up on things in a different way that i could understand because i feel like when they talk about um in i think the first episode with i think it's with um michael um, they talk about, you know, training um, facial expressions, um, those, those pieces of nonverbal communication and how he had to kind of, he was able to like, he almost has a gift now of train, of like um, sensing that people are feeling something and they're, they're masking it. Mm -hmm. like, that was, yeah. That, that hits so hard because I just remember being in high school and being like, identifying things with different people, trying to practice understanding how they were feeling, asking a ton of questions so that I, I could put together what they were doing with how they were feeling. Mm. And it, you know, <laughs> makes, it made me feel like an alien studying the human race. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it really does. Like, especially cause like I'm, I'm someone who didn't do that. Like I was someone who would just try to watch. Like I wouldn't ask questions very rarely until I started asking questions in college, I think more often than not. Um, but before that I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see what happens. And so I, I just, I watched, 
I people watch. I watched a ton of movies. I was, I was and still am obsessed with movies. And I think that kind of started there. Um, plus like theater just allowed me to practice that masking in a different way. Um, and that, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. I think that when you're in theater, like, there, I mean, I feel like there's a reason why there's an influx of the, of thespians who are also autistic. It's just, it just is. Oh, there's gotta be. You know? Honestly, so here's what I, like, there's, I think there's an entire other chapter of this that is, um, of this conversation that is just about the relationship between autism and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And how autistic people use storytelling to in, inform their entire reality. And like, so when we talk about representation, A, of autistic people, but just re re the representation of society, of human beings and human, like what is good behavior and, and, and how people normally express their feelings, the way that impacts people with autism. Mm -hmm. is like you know that's that's our whole textbook that's media and literature is is our textbook for life um when when human beings or when our family it doesn't fill in the blanks you know when when our surroundings our own environment doesn't or or our own minds don't fill in those blanks for us we have literature and media to fill in the rest uh in some way and we try that's it's it's almost our it's our it's our uh spark notes <laughs> of <laughs> of social environments yeah that's so real and and i also like you said how sometimes you wonder if it's a conscious thing masking or if it just it's something that you have just learned like innately i definitely remember distinct moments where i was like clocking what certain reactions meant and what certain um, nonverbal cues meant. Like, I definitely remember a time where I was like, okay, I'm gonna really try to just get this right. Because I, at, at a certain point, I like knew that I was different. And that's the thing is, you know that you're different. Like, you know it, you feel it. Um, and I remember there was like a day where I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be really good at being around people. And it was like, I felt like I was trying to like boot camp myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I de yeah. Yeah, and of course that gets exhausting over time. Like you can't necessarily, I mean, if you can, great. But like for me, I definitely was like, okay, all this energy into being with people, great. Now I'm gonna go sleep for 12 hours. Like. Oh my gosh, like when I'm not, so I'm not on my meds right now because mm -hmm. I'm just having another, um, what's the best way to say snafu, I guess is the most polite way. <laughs> um, with insurance and healthcare and, and just trying to get my prescription filled um, mm -hmm. and the pharmacies citing none of them want to work with my insurance. So for oh. like about a week I've been off of my medication and it's always this kind of weird experiment where I'm like, who am I going to be today? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to be myself? Oh, sorry. Am I going to mm -hmm. be myself or am I going to be like, try someone new on? Cause mm -hmm. I have no idea, you know, like I, I still feel like I'm in class on being a person. Yes, oh yes, yes. I definitely feel like I'm, and it, it, it can be frustrating sometimes to like feel like I'm still trying to figure out how to be a human and I feel like everyone else has like figured out the code. Or like an analogy I use sometimes is like, I feel like sometimes at birth, when people got dropped off by the stork, you know, that they got dropped off with like a manual 
and I got page five and nothing else. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. all it feels sometimes. Huge pieces missing where I don't know. Like, I feel like when you start watching a show, like a new, like, you know, because we've all been binge watching tons of <laughs> shows uh, on Netflix and, and Hulu and the wonderful streaming services that have guided us through this um, this horrible pandemic. Um, when you start a new show, you like start immediately placing different characters in their little sp spots in the grid going, okay, well, obviously we start with the protagonist and oh, there's, there's the key and the main antagonist for the show. That person's gonna become important later probably. This seems like a love interest. That's a wise older character mentor figure. Like you start doing that and I feel like the only person I can't do that with is myself. Like I have no <laughs> idea. I can't, I can't place me. I have no idea which one I'm supposed to be. I don't know if I'm just the, um, the wild card villain character who's just gonna lose it later on four seasons down the road or if I'm like the, in, the incredible redemption arc character who becomes everyone's favorite in three seasons. I don't know. I, protagonist would be great, but that's wishing, you know? <laughs> I have no idea which one I'm supposed to be, or if I'll just be boring forever, boring and confused. Mm. It yeah. Could, I, it, I could be any of those things, but no one ever told me which one I was going to be. And I feel like everyone else kind of has, they know who they are. They can, they can look at their own history and know their own brand, their own character. Mm. I just never had that. Mm. Yeah, that's so real. It, I feel like, and I think that correlates with the whole empathy thing, because it's not exactly empathy, but it's like, an, uh, like um, a lack of understanding of how other people experience the world in terms of like you. So like for me, I have a very similar story as in like, I didn't like I didn't know what people thought of me unless I asked or like how people perceived me unless I asked like I couldn't I wasn't one to pick up pick up on the vibe you know or just know because I'm me because like I I just and and I think a lot of that had to do with not having a strong friend group that affirmed me in ways for a long time I think for a long time I was kind of like floating around like okay like if y'all like spending time with me, I'm good. I don't have to feel like a person. I just need to be a part of it. And, oh you gosh. know, like, yeah. you don't have to treat me like a person. I'm good. I'm good. Just, like, let me hang out. Like, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So this this guy recently, like, a, a year ago, maybe, maybe a year and a half ago, um, accused me of being a mayfly. And a mayfly? It was supposed to be like uh, uh, an accusation or uh, like he was telling me he didn't trust me because he said I was a mayfly, which is someone who just goes from group to group and gets what they need from that group and then moves on. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it was a really weird, like sideways, very nerdy mm -hmm. insult, which good for him for having vocab, like whatever that was like 1700s vocabulary but um i was but i did it definitely did kind of hit home with me in a way that i've never been able to just stick with a certain friend group like i don't mm. have the same i have people that i've become very very close with i have a best friend or family like some people just kind of sprinkled everywhere that are kind of chosen family that really know me but 
having a friend group, like a social circle. Never been able to really do that. Latch yeah. onto a significant other's friend group or something like that, or like a friend's, like one person that I get along with. And so I just follow their social circle for like a hot minute and then move on because I don't know how people feel about me at any given moment. And so it's hard to A, trust that, trust them, because not that I'm necessarily paranoid or afraid of um, other people in a social environment, but I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. Right, absolutely. You don't know that unless people tell you and you kind of need that affirmation and that validation. You're just like, well, I guess I've, I guess I'm good here. I'll move on to the next, the next Hogwarts Quidditch team until I find my spot. Yeah. You, you are literally speaking my entire experience. Like <laughs> literally. Yes. Like it's, that's it's really like, good here, actually, that's not one that I knew really. I don't know if I knew that that was an autism thing. Or maybe it's I not. It's common, yeah. And um, because I'm I'm part of this like um autistic people's Facebook group, and we just like talk about like random things happen to oh, us. Yeah. And that's <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Um, it's actually a very common thing because it is the like needing affirmation of like, oh, like we're good, or like I consider you a friend. Like, <laughs> you know, like sometimes I legit yeah. need like, are we friends? Like sometimes I legit like need that, which like I'm not going to do that to people. I'm especially people who. I haven't felt like it's like extremely reciprocal. Like, you know, I'm not gonna do that. If, if someone calls me in a situation, I think what I use is just my cue. I think this is what I use like subconsciously as my cue as whether or not someone trusts me. Whether I trust them is like, I don't, I have no idea. Um, mm -hmm. I, but um, whether or not I think that they like really see me as like a good friend is if they call me in moments of really serious like vulnerability. Yes. But day to day, like I live in Minnesota. I live in the world of niceness. So, <laughs> the Midwest, man. Really, the Midwest, like people, you know, the thing is, they'll, they'll tell, they'll give you directions anywhere else in the world except their own house. Mm. The thing is, they're like, yeah, oh, I can help you get to anywhere, just not to my place, but like, sure. Um, so, they'll, they'll get close, but never that close. And so, it's hard to know, like, it's hard to know if anyone is really my friend or if they like me or if we're and even saying this out loud I feel paranoid like it makes me sound I feel like it makes me sound paranoid mm. but that's just the thing is that you just don't really know who is putting up with you yes oh liking you and that's how I've always felt with most people same literally same like even even and it's hard because I, I very recently went through a situation where like someone who I thought was like, I thought we were on the same page and we really weren't. And so that just kind of like freaked me out. And so I had a minute where I was like, okay, like, <laughs> like I was, we're just going to take a break from the people thing. Like, no, I know. Yeah. Right. It's like, you finally get like, you feel like you finally have been looking at this painting long enough to know that it's a painting. And then mm -hmm. just walks out of the painting and you're like, oh God, what is reality? I don't know where I am. Who's a person? Literally, I was like, wow, yeah. I'm going to bed. You're right. And then you, you have to move on somehow. So we're uh -huh. very good pack mules. Like we're very good like at just getting up and walking and, and finding a new, like making a new space somewhere else, at least for now. But that's, that's so hard to do your whole life. Yeah, 
Yeah. It, it, yeah, it truly is. I mean, it's a marathon. Like, that's why it's so important to, and that's why I've been really trying as of late to invest in myself more and, like, in my self-care because, you know, if I can't just run on E. Plus, like, I have a life, you know? Like, I have a job, I have a business, I have a platform. Like, we're not out here just, you know? So I'm just really trying to be, I'm trying to dis- discern more like who, whose energy I'm around and who I give my energy to and just like be, take better care of myself when I'm not, you know, around people. Did you, okay, so this is, this is kind of a, a personal question, but it's, it's only for the sake of a really long-winded analogy, so don't, it's not, we're not getting too far here, but have you used dating apps like Tinder or Bumble or any of the swiping Absolutely. Types? It is a godsend for me, for me. Okay, so I, we can totally get back to that, but the only reason I brought that up is because I work at Starbucks right now. I work mm-hmm. at Starbucks in a Target, in uptown Minneapolis. Uh-huh. So I see like a hundred thousand people. Not really. Okay, probably in total like 50 because it's COVID. So I don't really mm-hmm. see that many people. But I feel like every day I have this like I'm swiping through people as they come up to order coffee. It's like a new interaction with a new person. And I socialize with them way more than I think I have to because mm-hmm. I take a lot of pride in the fact that I get people now or get like I that I can socialize well and that I can make people feel special and feel good about themselves so I take a lot of I I put a lot of effort and energy into making them feel seen and feel like you know they had someone care about them in their day so that gives me this experience of feeling like I'm on tinder or bumble swiping through humans like Mm. do I like what kind of people do I actually really want my life to be about and do I want to like if I could just make up my own social social circle they do that a lot in in the show in um love on the spectrum they do a lot of asking what do you think your ideal relationship would look like or who would be your ideal who would you like to marry um if you could just wave a magic wand and they all give really interesting answers but like that is so much for me simply because I've been okay with relationships um for such a long time socializing was always so much harder so Mm. like who could you just make up a friend group go ahead oh my god that's so hard for me i have no idea what who are my people i don't know who is my tribe that's that's always kind of been a really difficult question see i feel like that's so interesting i feel like recently i've had the opposite problem I feel like I'm more solid in my friendships and then like discerning like who my people are. And that, that probably is because in college I joined a lot of student groups and they were like, there were very distinct student groups. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, and it, it part, in part it's because like, they were very like POC and just like warm people and just like truth tellers and people who weren't trying to front. Like people who were like, I will tell you if something bothers me. Like, you know? I didn't realize and, until yesterday that like, almost all of the people that I've actually like been like, Hey, do you want to actually like connect outside of this weird Starbucks target environment that I work in? Um, mm-hmm. all been women of color. <laughs> See, I ta- so, you know, <laughs> yeah. no, there's, it's, it's 100% like, I'm like, Oh, I'm instantly comfortable with this person. And I hadn't been like, and I am a pretty, 
I try to stay pretty aware of my choices, who I'm talking to, and not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> in other words, I see color and I see gender. It's not like I'm not paying attention to who mm -hmm. I'm talking to and who I'm making friends with, but just I didn't quite realize the frequency until I started going through like my new contacts and mm. it's like, yeah, I'm in uptown Minneapolis and all my new friends are black women. And you know what too? I do think that, and this is like a testament to black women. I think that we are very trained to accept the other quote quote because we are othered so often and we're so low on the quote totem pole, you know, the, the um, hierarchy, the social hierarchy that we're just used to accepting people with open arms. And I think that, I think that we just are that way because, you know, we, we never really had a, a choice to be exclusive. And so we kind of are in the habit of just being like, yo, like, welcome home. And that's, that's something that I love. And that's something that I would like to keep. Um, and it's like, yeah. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. See, I have a big old question there too. <laughs> and that's because I feel like I've spent so a lot of my questions about is this just me as like a um is this just me as like a not as a as a person with disabilities as a person with depression being the nut that I am or is this also like to do with it's it's hard to like assign things and so is this me as a queer person as a non-binary person as um yeah or is this me feeling this this way as a ADHD, autistic, depressed, socially anxious person <laughs> and trying oh, yeah. to separate those two things out into two different bubbles, my queerness and my lizard brain, uh, <laughs> trying to make those two different unique, um, yeah, rule sets is yeah. impossible. It's like trying to, trying to unmake tea. You can't do it, you can't separate the tea from the water. It's not gonna, it's impossible at this point. Do you, how often do you feel like what you're dealing with is being like, feeling like you're on the outside? Like, can you tell when you're being put on the outside because you're a black woman versus when you're feeling like you're on the outside because you're not neurotypical? This is a, this is a very good question um, because I can often not discern that. I often have no idea which of them is the cause, quote, quote. You know, I just, I just never know. So I will find myself in moments where like, okay, like, did this person not, did, did, we, not, did we not click because of our different background? Did we not click because I made them uncomfortable? Like, you know. I mean, sometimes I can't even tell if it's because I'm from Chicago. Like, or from versus Minnesota. Like, I can't even tell. That's some of the reason that I'm like, I'm talking to people and there's just nothing happening here. We're not getting each other. And yeah. I'm like, maybe it's because they're afraid of queer people or maybe it's because I'm just perceiving them as acting weird because I can't see I don't know. the, you know, I can't see their, or maybe it's because I'm just from Chicago and I'm too loud. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> That's so, that's so real, especially, oh my God, especially in dating. Am I not supposed to be singing in public? What's wrong with you people? Like, was I not supposed to break out in song? Excuse yeah. me? Um, but yeah. It's, the other yeah, level on top of this, that's musical theater people. And it's especially with dating. In my case, it's where I've had the most difficulty because 
I'm someone who like, regardless of who you are, I'm going to act like we're best friends. Not, not in terms of like texting or anything, but just like, I will treat you as if I know you, even if you're a stranger. And that's the way that I am. But I think a lot of people are not used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they will, like, I've had a few instances where guys who were either guy friends of mine or guy acquaintances would assume that I was trying to like, start something when I was really just being friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was an assumption that I was flirting when I was like, I just am existing. Like, <laughs> so that, that causes complications and it also causes complications where if I can't read somebody or they're like being really nice and are telling me like platitudes or are telling me that like everything's fine, that they're enjoying their time with me, I'm not gonna think anything other than what they have told me, you mm-hmm. know? and it's hard when you're like my 100% yeah. had that experience with someone recently where I met her or met them at where I was working and then we were like let's exchange information um or like just follow me on Instagram and we had kind of done this little vague I, I don't want to sound dramatic or um wax poetic but dance like kind of back and forth where I was like Oh yeah, I'm I'm queer, but I like just said with through through queer community inside dro inside jokes, we communicated that we were both queer and might be interested in each other. But mm-hmm. I had no idea I had no idea at first if that's really what happened or if that was just in my imagination until I like texted her a couple or texted them a couple days ago and they were like um oh no, no, this is exactly what happened. You vaguely <laughs> pointed out that you're bi I vaguely pointed out that I'm bi we made an inside joke we connected you got my Instagram that's what happened we're flirting this is correct and I was like oh thank god I was so confused (laughs) it's so confusing there's so many little like there's so many little idiosyncrasies and like nonverbal things with dating specifically that determine everything Right. Where it's like, okay, it's one look that can determine whether someone's into you or whether they're like running for the hills. You know what I mean? Like it is just it's also like we register things like touch way differently. Like I think I register touch and, and affection and things like that way differently than probably a lot of autistic people too. But mm-hmm. like the way we register sensory is different in general. Mm-hmm. So things that might not bother or even like track with other people are just like a giant blinking light for for us so like a touch on the shoulder like oh my god that's so funny hand on the shoulder um to me i'm like Ur? like there's yeah. a big flag that went up and i'm like they just touched me everyone they just touched me and they're just like laughing that's it they're just i'm like no but there was a thing did no one else see the thing that happened that like almost all sensory can be like that like depending on if it's out of nowhere to you like if it feels to me like we're just talking and then suddenly someone touched me i'm like stop everything (laughs) stop the presses stop the presses that's so real you know what i mean that's so real oh my god so I don't yeah. know how to register things like that when it happens. Yes, or like what it means, or like what it doesn't mean, unless someone explicitly says, which is which is so annoying because people don't explicitly say anymore. I mean that I've experienced. I don't know. I don't have a lot of dating experience, but like from my understanding, people oftentimes don't explicitly say, "Hey, I'm into you." Mm-hmm. Like what they'll do is like 
text you or call you or ask to hang out, but they won't explicitly say, um, until it like gets to a point where like, okay, do we want to be together? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard. And it's, it's, it's so funny too, because like now on dates, I feel like, I mean, I definitely don't say, hey, I'm autistic person. I mean, if you want to, that's your prerogative. I just don't do that on like the first date. But what I say is I am very direct and I appreciate very direct communication. Um, like more on the side of blunt than not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I don't think I have to tell people that as far as they just figure it out very quickly because I think that's also part of like, not, I don't mean that you shouldn't have to tell people that. I think I um, make it, I, without wanting to or meaning to, I make that appallingly apparent. It's <laughs> like minute of, in fact, most of the people I meet, it's because I'm like, I love your dress. I just wanted to let you know I really love your dress. It's so cute. You're rocking a floral moment. Have a nice day. Like, and then move on. And they're like, who was that spontaneous compliment wizard? And I can't help doing that. I'm, it's, it's this little puppy dog inside me that just needs to be like, hi, hi, I like you. I like how yeah. you smell. Like, yeah, no, literally. I think. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, yeah, and I, I stopped doing the thing where I police myself of being like, oh, Shamai, like, that's a little too autistic. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I'm, at least I'm getting better. I'm getting better at that. I haven't completely annihil annihilated that little voice. Um, <laughs> but I'm getting better I've at just noticed this. The first, mm -hmm. when you're talking about policing, I was with my older brother, who I, I love, has always been a wonderful social guide to me, but we were at Barefoot Bay, um, which if oh my gosh. watch this, who are not Mundelinians, who are not from <laughs> the, the, the small town of Mundelein, Illinois. Um, Mundelein. Yeah, we are. I, I was with my brother at Barefoot Bay. We were in middle school, and he was like, you know, you don't have to say hi to everyone. You didn't even know his name and i was like no yeah but like i pass him in the hallway all the time and i always wave and he was like yeah. why and i was like because i see him all the time <laughs> like, yeah. he was like do you know who he is and i was like no but we see each other a lot physically like i mean i've seen him repetitively <laughs> that's it that's my that's father that's literally yes yeah Legit. Like, you don't have to do that you know you know it's kind of a little not he wasn't like you're weird he was just like you, like other people don't have to do that either and mm -hmm. it's not bad if you don't so if you don't want to do that you don't have to. yeah it would it would feel weird for me to not acknowledge somebody that i know that i see all the time even if i've never talked to them before it would be weird for me to not acknowledge them i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah i i think and yeah 100% feel the same way and feel like a, something bad happened or like yeah I I'd be like I'm not mad at you <laughs> I don't know it's just it's just my brain this is right. my brain my the not doing it would be me telling them something like yes yeah know, that would have to be that how crazy um but yeah so what do we want to let's talk about the things because I do have a few issues with not major issues with the show just like a few things that i was like oh like this is interesting um and i think one of the things was it was it was very clear who the show was for like who the target audience was 
um, just based on how the autistic people were presented and like in the kinds of autistic people that they chose to um, to follow throughout the show. So like, okay. it seems like, it seemed like, and I hate the terms high functioning and low functioning. Is there, has there been a different, are there different terms or is that just the DSM? Is that just what's happening? I don't, I don't think that those were terms that were invented specific, or not invented, but that were used specifically to mean autistic people um, mm -hmm. as much as just sped people across the board or, or um, special needs people with disabilities uh, in general, like high functioning disabilities versus low functioning disabilities. Like that was a term we used when I was an aide too. Like we would have one, we had one special ed theater class that was the high functioning class and we had one special ed theater class that was the low functioning class. And it does feel wrong, especially because of how much I've learned since then about how different disabilities present themselves and like, how we perceive them versus how the person is actually perceiving themselves and, and what's around them that, yeah, that can be really misrepresentative. It can be really wrong. Um, and it, it obviously, it's not a dynamic way to look at it as a binary of just low and high disabilities. Yeah. It's not very helpful, but sorry, what were you? Oh, I was just saying, um, I'm, I'm trying to just, it was very, they used, very a very specific kind of autistic person in the series um and i'm like okay like if you if your target audience is neurotypicals like i guess you're trying to show like the most interesting representation um you know what i mean like i did feel a little like, bit like do i uh, th there are still times when i see things like that and i question like should i stop calling myself autistic is that is that not right um, right and that's obviously not not it but um it is i think definitely showing i think they showed a little bit of a range they like they definitely showed a, a range but not the very highs and the very very lows it was i think what would make it i think in their minds worth doing the show about which i hate to say it that way like to place value on it but it's like i think for people who are as high functioning as where most people would have no idea that they had autism. Like if you have to tell people you have autism and not just to say this is which disability I have, but like they wouldn't have known you had a disability at all. Um, then to make a show about it or, or to include that in the show, I think would make it harder to create the, those distinctions for the audience. Mm. Like, I don't know if you're really, I don't know if it, this is, makes it easy for the audience to recognize the difficulties being faced. Whereas showing that, you know, with someone who's more mid to low functioning um, and show how difficult dating can be for them, when you just kind of extrapolate on that or, or, or expand on that kind of, you go, okay, well, if, if that's what that person is struggling with, then maybe the person who is autistic who I'm dating, um, but is much more high functioning is struggling with, could be, they could be struggling with the same thing. It's just a different, it's showing up differently. Yeah. You know, things yeah. Like that you can kind of do when you at least set a, set a, like a bar, if that makes sense. I don't know. I hate saying it that way. Like setting a bar. I don't know. That sounds wrong. Yeah. But I, I see what you mean. I totally see Standards what you mean. Standards are racist. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it was like, it was that thing that caught my eye. And the other thing that caught my eye, or rather my ears, was, I don't know, the background music they were using was kind of like very infantile. Like it was kind of alluding to like a, look at these children. <laughs> my partner caught that too when we were watching it. And it is, it, it's, it, I was like, oh. yeah, it's condescending. It's absolutely condescending, especially mm -hmm. when most of the people there are between the ages of like, 20 and 30. I don't think mm -hmm. there were, I don't even know if there were people who were younger than that. I don't think there were. So these mm -hmm. are all adults. The grown. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also think that that's a common thing with neurotypicals in life, you know, is, is there's this, if someone doesn't know that you're autistic, yeah. then what they do know is that you're different, quote, quote. And so they'll like treat you almost like a child. Right. And, uh, you know, which, like, is better than, you know, abusing you. But, you know, it just is also kind of condescending. <laughs> so, um, you know that my best friend in the entire world is um, a guy named Oscar Rodrigo Araiza Bravo. Who he was is... on my podcast, too! When was he on your podcast? He was on with the um, When Wellness is a Privilege panel. Yeah, you should watch that. It's on YouTube. Oh, I think he might have actually told me about that. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so he, um, I will watch it 100%. When, when I met him, the reason that we connected so quickly was because I was like the only person who didn't treat him like a child being mm -hmm. a non-English speaker. And like he was, he was in our, you know, inquire and everything. He was my, he was our age like 15 years old, we're like the same age. He was maybe three weeks older than me. And for some reason, all of these people around me are treating this kid like he's a newborn puppy. Mm. Or just like this this little, you know, pat him on the head. He's like, oh, what a cutie. Because he could, his English was still broken. He just freaking got there. <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's so sweet. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't understand. And I was like, no, he's just doesn't speak English, but he has just as many miles on him as you do. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that was that, like, I, 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 maybe this is, maybe that's why I, I felt that connection or I kind of saw that as like him, saw him being condescended and felt like I understood not to condescend and not to look down, you know, because mm -hmm. he couldn't speak English um, as well. I, I mean, eventually he would obviously become fluent and become a doctoral candidate at Harvard getting, uh, you know, like, like oh, degree in go ahead. physics. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I just like really want to show that I want to show all of his like incredible success to the people who were patting him on, on the head when he got to the country in whatever that was 2011. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was just this thing that like we immediately connected because I was like, yeah, no, I know, I know who you are. I know that you're, you know, <laughs> yeah, just treating that him how I would treat myself. Or, uh, yeah, I think that was why part of the reason that we connected so quickly is because I, I felt that pain. I was like, oh, God, I hate being looked down on for seeming, like, just because there's a, a disconnect. Because I'm the different. Yeah. yeah. And it, it starts to, sometimes it like works at your self-esteem because I definitely remember like, 
like not too long ago at all, just like beating myself up for being quote weak or being, um, what's the word, what's the word, what's the word, naive. When it's like, there are things that I notice other people don't notice, just as there are things that they notice that I don't notice. You know, it's not, it's just like I'm operating on a different plane. And, and I think that's something that we have to remind ourselves of is like, we're not stupid. And even if people treat us like we're stupid, we're not. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, I think someone on the show said that too. I think like there was someone uh, in on Love, Love on the Spectrum who had mentioned that, that like the being condescended and being looked at as though, I think it was probably Maddie. Mm. She's my favorite. I, I love that girl. She was great. I know. She's so cool. She was so cool. I was like, oh, she's too cool for all these people. That's why she hasn't found, like, I was like, that's why she hasn't found anyone to date yet is because she's probably just too cool for everyone. <laughs> it's not so awesome. It's because she's just, like, intimidatingly funny. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, well, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah, just the, the condescension and being, like, talked to like you're a child or, like, you're stupid because they got to the thing first like they got they got the point quicker or something like that they were still a part of the conversation when somewhere in that conversation there was an aspect that booted you out because mm -hmm. you are autistic or you don't feel comfortable articulating those thoughts in a group and so you shrink because you don't feel like you can do it with the pressure you know it's yeah yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely really feel like, even in friend groups, very much feeling like the pet of the group. Which, like, as a Black woman, doesn't do great things for your self-esteem. <laughs> doesn't really help that. Um, but, yeah. And also, like, in most of my friend groups in the past, having been the only Black person, or the only person of color in a lot of... The only Black person, rather. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all intertwined. Yeah, you know, sometimes I've actually felt that being fat sometimes <laughs> and like um i don't know if i'm being if i'm being you know patted on the head or people are laughing at me even though i didn't mean to be funny things like yeah. that and i confuse it for whether or not is this because i said something weird or is this because they see me as a chubby funny you know seth rogan guy mm-hmm yeah i definitely i never understood why people found me funny <laughs> <laughs> and it was it it was interesting because after finding out that I was autistic I definitely went through a phase of like I hate all these people for treating me like a child I hate all these people for dismissing me and like mm -hmm. and I really had to just like cool it because I don't it's complicated because you want to give people the benefit of the doubt you also want to hold them accountable but like at the same time you can't make someone understand you and I have to keep like reminding myself that it is not my job, nor, th nor do I have the ability to make someone understand me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are definitely times where I look back, especially to like, and not because middle school was easy for everyone else. Obviously middle school is the hell that no one tells you about before <laughs> you get there. But okay. um, like just the teachers that I would love to just sit them down and explain. Mm. Like, did you watch, um, 
what was it? It was the follow-up to Nanette. Gosh, I've got to just Google it right now. Um, <laughs> Hannah Gadsby's special. It's it, it's an entire special about autism. Like or like it's not in, entirely about autism, but she really digs into. Oh, Douglas. Oh, yeah. oh I didn't I didn't see that one. So you've got to watch it. It's amazing. So maybe next we should do another episode where we talk about it <laughs> or another <Yes! laughs> uh, part two where we talk about that. Cool. Okay. Um, before we skedaddle, is there anything that you wanted to, anything that caught your attention from the show that we haven't talked about? Like, Oh, that I found um, the, I think Jody. I found the, the, the kind of expert they brought on who mm -hmm. the dating coach for people on the spectrum. I found her to be a really interesting person. And like, I just found them <laughs> using her, like having her on the show to be really interesting. Because I, it's my partner and I talked about that and I was like, well, what really is her credibility? Like, is, is there training on that? And, mm -hmm. but is there a, is there an accreditation for coaching autistic people in, in romantic relationships? Probably not. Um, I doubt that, um, mm -hmm. but that, that does definitely, I think, point out just how untouched the subject is um, in a lot of, I like most of the world. Yeah. Like if, not to say that she was doing a bad job or anything, I was just really curious, you know, in another setting, they might bring on an expert who has a doctorate in something related to this. Where do you go to really dig into that when it is such a wide spectrum it's really whoever has experience and practice and hands-on, like, you know, dealing with helping people get through it. Yeah, I, I would be interested to see what, like, a specialist with a doctorate or, like, a master's or, geez, you know, just some sort of, you know, certification would, would have to offer in that sense. Like, because there were a few moments where I was like, I don't know. If there were a few... Helping. Yeah, there were a few moments where I was like, okay, like, so I'm interested to see what that would be like. I thought the, the, um, the kind of coaching session with Kelvin was really interesting to watch and whether or not, like, I don't know, I just, it, it makes me wonder kind of where, what, what is the method being used? But also if, if she's, if there is a relationship coach for people with autism, that that person person should be writing books for everyone else too. Yeah, you could do it for people with autism. <laughs> I mean, you'd solve half the relationship problems in the world. Because, like, yeah, people could always use communication skills. Like, yeah. people could always brush up on the being directedness. You know, <laughs> most of what she's you know explaining, like, well, you want to make sure that you make them feel like you're interested in who they are. Mm-hmm. That the, the the very basic principles could be extrapolated to cover most of most problems in in relationships or most communication problems in relationships. Yeah, that was so real. That was that was really great to see too. But yeah, I, I would love to do this again. Yes. Oh, it was so great to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. We will talk soon. Yes, this is super fun and. Uh, <laughs> And it's always wonderful to see you. Oh, it's good to see you too. Okay, well, have a good night. Good night, Shamaya. Well, there you have it. I hope you liked this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with your pals. Take care of yourselves, all right? Goodbye.